Okay, so let's head over to uh, let's to talk about some text messages here. Mm. Uh, energy from Morocco to England. That's amazing. Seven million people receive power. I wonder how much it cost. This is it's a valid point, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, you know coal-fired electricity is very very cheap. Mm. Wind-powered electricity is prohibitively expensive, mm-hmm. um, and solar is somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how much it cost. I do not know. Uh, the new mayor who wants to be paid in Bitcoin, maybe he knows something we don't. <laughs> yeah, like how to go broke. Well, maybe no, maybe. <laughs> see, Bitcoin is 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 um, controlled by, um, by by social media influencers. Yeah, that's right. And so maybe this is maybe he's got an influencing thing going on there. Well, no, well to say this is, he should probably go for fifty fifty just in case. But to say it's controlled by social media influencers isn't completely true. I think Bitcoin has established itself as a currency that I, I joke around. I'm like Elon Musk can run on Twitter and then it, it, Bitcoin drops. But well, that does happen from time that, to that time. Do, it like, literally happens. But at the same time, like a Bitcoin, definitely, in the, I would say in the last six months since all that stuff happened, has become just more and more robust and expensive and. Big Big and and well used to a point where it's becoming you know the so official, less unstable yeah less unstable it's becoming the official currency of a country's so it's almost smart but the problem is is that it's still this is where it's smart the is, is that it's it's that it's very like much gambling yes so like if you're into if you're into gambling like this guy and he's like oh if I get paid in Bitcoin and then the price spikes I can sell and earn more than I got paid. So the uh, Biden's blocking of the vaccine mandate. Anything he mandates should be blocked. <laughs> this is guys. So there should be no such thing this, as mandates. This person is not a fan of Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there, there is that argument that that mandates should not exist. Mm. And well, you know, in a state of emergency, that would be a bit of a problem if you've got to pass something through legislation. So I kind of understand why they do, but that that argument does exist. Mm-hmm. It's a valid argument. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, but this is this person doesn't like Joe Biden. Uh, he's an embarrassment to America, like our Victorian Premier is an embarrassment to Australia. Okay. Is coercion from God or from Satan totally contrary to his word? God works on the basis of freedom of choice. Imagine God doesn't even force us to love him for the gift of eternal life, and man forces us to be vaccinated against our will for an unproven offer of extending health, now proving to be... Closer to death and sickness to millions. Well, we will find out the answer to that in the future. I think it's premature to say that yet. Mm. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to take ten years for us to have a good understanding of the pros and the cons. Mm. No, no. I'm, there's lots of there's lots of stuff being bandied around, and believe me, I've I've seen a lot of information. And when you work in the job that Lawson and I work in, you get people bombarding you with this kind of information every day. Mm. And some of it is credible and some of it is not. Yeah. No, I'm expecting to um, completely lose my freedom of choice and only buy Microsoft products within the next couple of years. (laughs) So, (laughs) yes. Okay. What a wonderful work Asian Aid is doing. May God bless and supply all their needs. So true. Yeah. And then another person asking, I wonder how many businesses have reopened from the number pre-2020? It's a good question. Mm. Of course, your big ones have survived. Your little ones have fallen away. So you've got more big ones, less little ones. That's the way I would suspect. But you have little be. ones that have started up and you made do have money. some. You do have some um, amazing startups who have really been able to cash in on the um, COVID crisis. Yeah, this little really company well. called Zoom. Dude, the best part about Zoom was like when... Why didn't we all buy shares in Zoom? Dude, when when COVID happened, people invested in the wrong Zoom. 
Like they, because they, they didn't know which stock was Zoom. And so they, like, and because, you know, you've got a huge volume of investment coming in that boosts the stock price of Zoom. Yeah. All of a sudden, just overnight, like this random other company called Zoom was getting massive investment and overtook the actual Zoom on the stock market. (laughs) That's awesome. And then, and then everyone realized, and then they all just like sold. And and it was just like, but some people made a lot of money. People got rich off pumping and dumping as, um, a stock that, didn't even wasn't even relevant. But well, then see, if you were clued up, soon. if you were clued up, what you would what you would actually even if you knew it was the wrong one and you were clued up, you'd invest in it earlier. Oh on. yeah, because you'd be like, a lot of people are going to stuff up here, so I'm going to buy this stock. <laughs> yeah, what a world we live in! What a crazy, crazy mixed up world we live in, where just hilarious stuff happens. I just have to be honest. Mm. Um, we do have some. Yeah, wild <laughs> stuff going on. All right, where are we going? Let's go to our Bible study. We've got a great study to get into this week. We're going to start, because we're studying from the book of Deuteronomy, we are going to start in Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Yeah, I wonder 28. if the people within you know within the periods of Ezekiel and Deuteronomy were contemplating you know swap options on the, on the stock market for the wrong Zoom. Um. I kind of think they weren't, but I also... Um, Oh, somebody's texting and says, you don't really think we have 10 years left, do you? Very valid point. <laughs> very, very valid point right there. Okay. Um, and, you know, I was talking to somebody last night, having this conversation last night with somebody who was, you know, really quite depressed about the state of our world mm. and what was happening in our world and how, you know, badly our world was going and how rapidly it was Heading to destruction. Was this me? Was I talking? No. Okay. No, because you always come into the studio with a very positive outlook on life. It's because the world's ending. (laughs) And and you know, okay, we've been preaching this for many, 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 many decades. Mm. You know, I've got my grandfather's sermons stored away somewhere uh, that detail you know, how he was preaching that this was what would happen. Mm. And now it is happen and we're getting depressed over it. Mm. You know, it's almost, it's all, I almost get the impression that we preached on it for so long that it would happen that we reached a point where we continued to preach it but no longer believed it and now that it is happening, we're shocked and surprised and angered. Mm. And it's an interesting reaction to have because I know I've kind of had I, I, I kind of had the, have this um, uh, somebody says well said Lawson um, <laughs> I, I kind of have this um, experience myself where I get upset and I get angry and totally. I feel bad and I think about the future and like well, what is the future of my grandchild and you know all of these kinds of issues and you know why why is the world going to pot so badly mm. and, and I just want out of this world, and then I realized, well, actually, you know, if it wasn't happening, I'd be just preaching the same thing every decade that I've always been preaching with nothing happening. Mm. And that's a bit lame. Mm -hmm. So we should lift up our heads because our redemption draws nigh. That's right. Yeah, powerful stuff. I, I, yeah, we can we can be stoked. That obviously, that's the thing there. And uh, yeah, I'm working at a university, working with a lot of young people who have a very bleak outlook on life because of what they're seeing around them, and they don't necessarily have that hope of of Christ and of His second coming and of His return. And you very much sympathise with 
their reaction to the world and you, you agree with them like, yeah, the world is falling apart and that's terrible. But you know what's not terrible? It's showing us that Jesus is coming back soon. And we can be so, like, stoked in the hope of glory. Like, we can be so happy and so optimistic looking forward um, because we know that God loves his own um, and we know that he's going to be with us and he's never going to leave our side no matter what. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You know, somebody just texting through here, you know, has, has our first love diminished? Mm. And it's a valid point. It's one of those things that you stop and think, have I preached about the second coming, the nearness of the second coming for so long that it's just become the thing that I do? Yeah, wow. Rather than the thing that I actually really believe that this is going to be the case, then this is what's going to happen. You know, the mm-hmm. world is going to become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. And then I get upset when it does and feel surprised. You know, is that because I've just preached for so long? Yes, the world's going to become like Sodom and Gomorrah, and then when it becomes like Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm like, wait, what? What? What's going on here? Mm. You know, have we have we preached it so long that we have ceased to actually believe it? Mm. There's some interesting questions that sort of uh, that sort of come out of this. How did I get sidetracked onto this? We, we were just, just talking about. Yeah, the world. What if, what if, I don't remember, I don't, I don't it remember matter. either. We, we said we were going to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 28 is where we're going. Yeah, I'm right here. Which and verse? we're talking about, we, well, we'll probably start in verse 13, but let's not start just yet because I want to talk a little bit about morality first. Okay, yes. <laughs> because our Bible study actually brings up this issue of morality. You know, God is love. Love is the overarching principle. It's the foundation mm. of his government uh, because God wants us to love him in return. Mm-hmm. He has created us as moral creatures with moral freedom, the freedom inherent in love. Yes. So morality, freedom, and love are things that cannot be separated from each other. Mm. And because we are morally free, we have moral freedom, then we have morality. Mm. This create, I just wanted to make a side note here. This, this is like such good news. Like, this is such a good situation to be in, where we have, like, a morality, which is, you know, uh, uh, like a, um, a, a, uh, it comes from the ability, our ability to make choices. Um, but, yeah, then we can identify good choices and bad choices, and then we can live within the realm of good choices of good morality and live good lives without sacrificing the freedom of choice. Like, this is incredible. In fact, I uh, led a Sabbath school this weekend at my church, at the Newcastle Uni Church, and three of the people in our Sabbath school, I led beginner Sabbath school, had never read the Bible before had never prayed before. This was the first time they had ever... Well, actually, two of them had came the night before to our care group and prayed for the very first time. We were teaching them how to pray. and But we were covering this idea of what is morality? Why does God have the ability to... You know, why should we let God tell us what morality is? And looking at the Bible and looking at the morality that God prescribes and just seeing how amazing and epic and smart and awesome God is... Um, because of this balance between freedom of choice and then prescripted morality that we can live by. And so then we can choose to live the best life that we possibly can. Like, yeah, explaining that to people who have like never read the Bible, have never considered God, and they're sitting there like, wow, God is good. Like, is this the best experience ever? But yeah, and but from their perspective, they're like, wow, like God has prescribed morality and given us free choice because he really cares about us. 
Like that ultimately is the, the, the conclusion that you come to is that we have a super loving God who values us as his creations, as his creatures, who's given us free choice, but then has given us, prescribed us morality so that we can live the best lives. Like he's not far away. He's very close. Very close. It's, oh, it's so awesome. It and, is. And being able to show people who have never read the Bible that before, they're like, is that what the Bible says? Like, uh-huh. is it telling me to live my best possible life? Is God, like, that good? And it's like, yes! <laughs> that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about right there. Mm. Nah, that's that's just amazing. And, you know, when uh, you think about it, and, and, and the Bible study brings this thought out, and it's kind of random how it says it. <laughs> so I'm just going to I'm just gonna read it because okay. I, I just love how random it is. And it's written by... You know, well, it's written in America. Okay, classic. Right, so just put, put, put this in context. It's written in America, and it's just a little bit random. Okay, let me read it to you. And central to the idea of moral freedom is moral law. Subatomic particles, oh, okay. ocean waves, uh-huh. kangaroos, yep. though following to some degree natural law, don't follow or need moral law. Okay. So I'm just wondering what the relationship is between subatomic particles, ocean waves, and kangaroos. Well, I think they're assuming that all of those things don't have brains, and their assumption would be correct <laughs> because kangaroos are dumb. <laughs> kangaroos, Lawson, can survive in an environment in which you would last a day. Yeah, probably. That's also true. <laughs> and we know that they have brains because if you you know go on a, a culling trip, you'll definitely see some. <laughs> Yeah, let's not go there. Let's not go there. <clears throat> that just that just escalated, and that just that whole conversation went in a direction that I thought was just very different from where I was heading. But anyway, yes. let's come back to uh, to this this concept here because, um, you know the the idea is the difference between natural law and moral law. Mm. So if you take subatomic particles or ocean waves, there is no moral law. Mm. There is no uh, moral requirement. Mm -hmm. But what about a kangaroo? So a kangaroo has a joey, and it's going to take care of that joey, right? Yeah, well. Very much take care of it and protect it with its life if necessary. Isn't that an aspect of moral law or morality that is similar to us? Yeah, I would say so. I, I would say that it's... I would say that it's natural law rather than moral law. Oh, that's actually, that's a really good point. Because you could say at some point there is an intersection between natural law and moral law that if you uphold good, if God really created everything, yes, if you uphold good moral law, you know, within your choices, then you will naturally benefit, like, because of the pre-established rules of natural law. Here's where I draw the difference between the two. And this would be a really good question to ask our resident um, apologist, Dr. Sven Erstring. Yes. Um, where do you draw the difference between natural law and moral law? Just off the top of my head, I kind of draw the difference between the two on the basis of self-sacrificing love. Mm. So a moral creature is one that knows, understands, and is willing to practice self-sacrificing love. Love. In other words, they are prepared to do things that will damage their ability to pass on their genetic material for no other reason than love. Mm. 
Whereas a creature that is following natural law is following that natural law. The reason that a kangaroo looks after its joey is because it has an inbuilt natural law to pass on its genetic material. Mm. Whereas human beings have an inbuilt natural law to love and care for other human beings, other animals, and nature in general. Mm. No other creature has that. That's right. And, you know, you, you can work your way down through there because, you know, there's that, that, that tragic story coming out of Western Australia this morning of, the, um, of you know, a swimmer being lost in a shark attack incident, uh, which is just really horrific. And if you think about a creature like a shark, do they have a natural law that pushes them to pass on their genetic material? We've, I've talked about this before because I think it's just a great illustration. Mm. Because, you know, your great white shark is one of <clears throat> the most successful species on the earth, on, on the planet. You know, it's, it lives in basically every part of the planet. There's nowhere you can go where you won't find it. You can find it in the middle of the ocean. You can find it along the coast. You can find it north. You can find it south. You can find it on the equator. You can find it. It's very, very, very successful. And yet, how much morality does it exercise? How much love? How much care? You know, it randomly meets another shark, lays an egg, which then floats around the ocean and hatches, you know, somewhere you know, has no nothing to do with its offspring whatsoever at all. Mm. There is nothing to indicate in any way, shape or form that a shark follows any kind of moral law. It follows natural law. Uh, which is, you know, why it has a desire to pass on its genetic material and does so incredibly successfully. Whereas human beings follow moral law where human beings will sacrifice themselves at times for people that they do not even know. Mm. In fact, we've got many, many examples of that where human beings have sacrificed themselves for people that they do not know. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thought right here. Let me just see what we've got coming through here. Um, I agree. Natural law for the animal kingdom and moral law for the humanity that is made in the image of God. Both laws come from God. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, well, we've come to Ezekiel 28. Yes, start reading in verse 13. In verse 13, the Bible says, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red cardinal... <laughs> okay, it just talks about a bunch of really cool stones here, which I'm going to skip over. Yep. All beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. Keep going, keep going. It continues on in verse 14. It says, I ordained you and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and you walked among the stones. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned, so I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian. From the place among the stones of fire. Your heart filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. Okay, let's stop here for a moment. Let's think about what we've been reading so far. We're, talk, we're, we're reading here about Lucifer in heaven. Mm. And uh, Lucifer in heaven, of course, was created perfect. Mm -hmm. And because he was created perfect, he had freedom. 
He had the power of choice. He had the freedom to choose. Because if he did not have that freedom, then he would not have been able to experience love or to love. Mm. And so God did not withhold love from Lucifer. Mm. But wherever there is freedom, moral freedom, moral freedom implies moral law. Yes. You cannot have moral freedom without having moral law. Mm-hmm. I want you to think about that for a moment. Moral freedom requires the existence of moral law. And, ooh, somebody's texting through for guesses and they're going the same direction I went, which is not right. <laughs> well, we can deal with this later. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry your pride is hurt because you didn't no, know the answer I'm immediately. No, I'm just seeing if somebody can get this one without looking it up in the Bible. Okay, so then what? the, the, the fact that Lucifer is in heaven and he is a moral being mm-hmm. and he has freedom. Yes then that implies that there is a law that exists in heaven, a moral law that exists in heaven. We're going to look at some other verses that imply the same thing. Romans chapter 7 and verse 7 is our next verse. Romans 7 and verse 7. Romans 7 verse 7, as I find it here on the page of the Bible, says, Well then, I am, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known coveting was wrong if the law had not said, You must not covet. Okay, so this is a great principle right here. So Satan sinned in heaven. In other words, he broke the moral law of God. Yes. Um, you can only break something that exists. Yes. You can only have freedom if there is a moral law that exists, mm. and you can only uh, exercise that freedom to go against that moral law if that moral law exists. Mm. So what's very clearly being outlined here is that the moral law existed in heaven. And as Paul says, you know, what shall I say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. The law is what defines what sin is. Satan would not have known what sin was unless a law existed. Mm. The Bible says that he was perfect in heaven until the day that sin was found in him. You can't have sin if there's no law. And if there was no law in heaven, if, if heaven had just been this place where there was no law for you know, all of eternity, it would be impossible for Satan to sin. Mm. The Bible says that crystal clear. Go to Romans chapter 4 and uh, verse 15. Romans 4 and verse 15 where the Bible says, For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. Okay. Is that what yours says? Yeah, let me read this again. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So yeah, it gives oh, okay. a qualifying, yeah, 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 statement qualifying statement in in brackets, which is like, which is like yeah. So in other words, if we yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say yeah, as human beings, because we're bent towards sin and broken, we'll always break the law. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wouldn't be a law to break if it didn't exist. Exactly, that's right. So read that read that last qualifying statement. Yeah, again. it says, and this is uh, in parentheses. It says the only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. Okay, the only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. Did Satan sin in heaven? Yes. What is sin? The transgression of the Trans- law. The breaking, breaking of, of the God's law. law. And you can't do that if there is no law to break. That's right. I, I thought you had a super dodgy translation. Yeah, but I now was I actually like, like, oh, it. man. <laughs> but, it, yeah, no, it qualifies itself. It's good. Mine says where no law is, there is no transgression. Mm. So this is this is actually a cool verse. Mm. 
All right, let's go over to, um, and let's just double check what you were saying there a moment. First uh, John 3 and verse 4. First John 3 and verse 4. First let's read it over there. John 3 and verse 4. There's also something be, to be said about like with total freedom only leads to death. Like freedom without restriction leads to destruction. And that's like the idea that there could have potentially been life in the universe, but we can also rule out life of the universe as we haven't found it yet because like there's very much the potential that life has already lived and destroyed itself or we're the first to have to yes, do Yes, if that. you look at it from, a, uh, from an evolutionary perspective, yeah. total, freedom is, brings, is total, total freedom without restraint is total destruction because the restraints give the freedom. That's right. Total freedom without restraint is not total freedom. Mm. It, it's, actually, it, it's actually total subjugation yeah, it, to death. Yeah, because it only leads to death. Like yeah. It has one, one route. Okay, That's so First right. John chapter 3 and verse... Verse 4, the Bible says, Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all of sin, uh, all for all sin is contrary to the law of God. Right, mine says, All sin is transgression of the law of God. Mm. So, this is the very first principle that we're going to look at as we work our way through this Bible study is that God is a moral God, a God of freedom, and a God of law. And that's going to, we're going to pick up, we're going to look at the whole concept of law and grace as we go through this week's Bible study. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is now time for... Question of the Day. Our question of the day is uh, from Christopher, and Christopher asks, what is the biblical difference between grace and mercy? Ah, what a what a fascinating question right there. Okay, so here's mercy. Mercy is uh, it is compassion or forgiveness given to a person who it is in your power to punish or harm. Okay, so that sounds a lot like grace. We're going to have a look at grace in a moment. We're going to find out that grace is related to mercy, but it's not the same as mercy. Okay, so think about this. This is compassion or forgiveness. So mercy is when God has compassion or forgiveness. Mercy from a, a, a godly perspective is God having compassion or forgiveness to us in whom he has the power to punish us or harm us. And he chooses not to because of mercy. And a lot of people are going to sit back and say, but that's just grace. No, that's not grace. Grace is different. Grace is... The biblical, well, sorry, the, the, the Christian definition for grace is unmerited favor. And so this is favor that is not deserved, which is then expressed as mercy. So grace is where it starts, and mercy is the outcome of the grace. All right, so let's, let's have a look at this in the Bible, and we will start in that most famous passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 8, where the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Clearly grace is the power by which God saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith. Hmm. Grace, therefore, is the power by which God saves us. Okay, how does God save us? Well, first of all, God saves us by forgiving us of our sins. That's mercy. So God's grace is means that it, it is... Um, it is because of God's grace that he then extends his mercy towards us. And so we receive forgiveness. But grace is much more than that because the Bible says, for by grace are you saved. Okay, let's ask a couple of questions. Saved from what? From sin, right? Mm. So by grace are you saved from sin. What is sin? 
transgression of the law. So by grace are you saved from transgression of the law. Um, what does the Bible say? Are we saved from our sins or in our sins? The Bible says very clearly, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, um, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And so if grace is the power by which God saves us and God came to save us from our sins, not in our sins, then grace is the power by which God converts us and changes us so that we can live a different life and we can put the life of sin behind us, which is why the Bible says if you go over to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, let me just go over there very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to look at, um, where are we, where are we, where are we? Is it First Corinthians? Romans chapter 1. Let me go to Romans chapter 1. Maybe I'm in the wrong book here. Romans chapter 1 and verse 5. The Bible says, By whom we have received grace for obedience. So I want you to think about that for a moment because we often look at grace as the power by which God forgives us and because we look at grace as being the power by which God forgives us, we're like, well, that's pretty close to mercy. There's not much between grace and mercy right here. Uh, Maybe they're actually both the same thing, but no, 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 no. Grace is much more than that. Grace is the power by which God converts you. Grace is the power by which God changes you. Grace is the power by which God gives you victory over your temptations. Grace is the power by which God changes your life so that your old life becomes the old man, that your old man is dead and gone and buried, not to come back to life again. That's the power of God's grace, and that is God's unmerited favor, favor that we do not deserve, where he comes into our life and changes us. Mercy provides forgiveness of sins. Grace provides changing power. And that's the difference between grace and mercy. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.